0: you're listening to the huddle up podcast with chad jensen and zach kelberman join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off and now it's time to drop some knowledge
1: Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him and love him, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, Monday was a brutal grind, not much happening in the land of uh, the Broncos But fortunately, most of our our listeners are checking this out on Tuesday. We're recording this Monday evening, so I'll use the present tense. But tomorrow, we're going to have a lot more to talk about with mandatory minicamp jumping off on Tuesday.
2: And it's exciting because it's obviously the last bit of on field work we'll see with the Broncos until training camp next month and mid July. And it's, you know, putting a capper on the offseason program. There's it, been a lot of twists and turns. It's been a very hectic uh, last few months. All the coaching staff changes, all the personnel changes, the rookies, uh, the Chris Harris Jr. holdout. We're all going to kind of see finally the team come together as one. And this is going to be how they go, I think, the hardest until training camp. I think Fangio will turn the intensity up a little bit to see what they're made of and it should give us a little glimpse of what the twenty nineteen Broncos will look this fall.
1: It's been mentioned several times, not only by players but media watching that Vic Fangio has really operated this entire offseason program almost, not quite, but almost at the same level of intensity as you most most players in, in media are used to seeing in training camp. So, you know, that's a good sign. I mean it shows the teams playing with some some urgency and the coaches are, you know, it's a clear indication, I should say, that there's a new sheriff in town and Vic Fangio's operating at a different level. And it's kind of cool to see because, as we know, you know, one of the tropes on Fangio, 19 years as an NFL defensive coordinator, he's worked under a lot of prolific head coaches a lot of successful guys in the past. He's picked and he's chosen what he's liked about each guy's kind of M.O., and he's been biding his time saying, you know, when it's my turn, here are the things I'm going to do. And right. he finally got his turn. We saw that with the— wearing game jerseys during practice, and the way he has structured practices, he's doing them in the afternoon instead of the mornings. And then, of course, the intensity, he's not settling for anything less than 100%, even though they're not hitting, there's still no contact.
2: That's exactly the quote that was going through my mind when you were talking just then, Chad, because it's one of the most underrated Vic Fangio quotes of the offseason. When he came in and he was asked, how he's going to do things differently. And one of the things he said was, I mean, he didn't give much away specifically, but he did say, based on what he's seen based on who he's been around. He wants to do things his way. And obviously, as it's come to find out, uh, kicking up the intensity in training camp or the practices like training camp, making those uh, very much more and pushing it to the limits of what you can do under the current CBA. It's it's non-contact, it's voluntary, they're non-padded, they're simulations but every player that's come out and said uh, he doesn't play around, there's no BS, they're not taking lightly, and it makes me wonder how much of a club men environment was harbored under Van Joseph and the previous coaching staff that they're all these players are almost surprised that their coach is demanding they work hard even when it's the offseason. I, I love to see it, and it just furthers the notion that Fangio is the guy and the exact type of guy to whip these Broncos back into shape.
1: I mean, it, it's a distinct possibility that John Elway managed to capture some lightning in a bottle with this Vic Fangio sign or hiring, I should say, and then also, of course, the stars aligning with Flacco still being able to get Locke, great draft all around, solid, solid pickups, well, better than solid in free agency. I mean, I the, I could sit and talk myself into how this team is going to you know rebound big time in 2019, but that's why we have Zach, especially why we make such a good team because I'm the orange-colored glasses optimist ever, and that's just kind of my mindset in life anyway. So it doesn't matter. What I'm focusing my attention on, I'm always going to view things in an optimistic scope, so to speak. But sometimes, Zach, you need to temper that, right? You need to be there to balance the scales and say, well, you know, it's encouraging. Things seem to be trending in in an encouraging direction, but we got to pump the brakes
2: on, you know, putting the Broncos in the Super Bowl next year. I mean listen, I'm no cynic. I, I give credit where it's due. I'm not overly negative to just for the sake of being negative. I, I just happen to subscribe, especially with Flacco, to what Derek Wolf said, where uh, you're not going to come in and be you know, commended and and appreciated for doing the things you're supposed to be doing. So as of right now, if Flacco looks good in practice, I'm not going to commend him for that because he's throwing against air right now. And also what Wolf said, it's all fun in games in week one. Everyone's happy. Everyone's optimistic. But how are you in week 16 when everyone's sick? Everyone's tired. Everyone's hurting. I mean, it's a grind. That's what I want to see. I mean, it's all fluff right now in early June. But when the bullets start flying this fall, uh, then I want to form a more accurate opinion. But I will always give credit where it's due. But I do agree with you, Chad. We make a good yin and yang. It's good counterbalance, and I think uh, a lot of Broncos fans appreciate that.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't—I definitely wouldn't go down that road of saying you're just this constant negative, myopic dude. But it's good because we just come from—we we end up seeing things very similarly, but we just right. come come in on it from different angles. But which is good. The next, this this. Uh, week of OTAs, this mini camp, I should say. It's going to be fun. Enjoy it while you can, Broncos country, because then we're going on six weeks, as Zach mentioned, of nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when we as content creators have to really dig deep. I know that as far as the writing goes on the website, milehighhuddle.com, Nick Kendall and I, we are going to team up this time. He did it himself last year. This time, though, we're going to team up for our, the annual roster breakdown. We'll go through and break down the, the roster and all that stuff, and it's going to be... uh It's going to be fun. It's where we get to really let our hair down. There's no, you know, urgency in terms of deadlines and all that. So we'll be able to let our hair down and really get into some interesting nooks and crannies of the Broncos. So make sure you keep it not only with the podcast each and every day. We're going to be delivering six pods a week for your listening pleasure. But make sure you're checking out the written content and VIPs, of course, too. You're going to see us publishing a lot more film stuff because we're going to have more time to do it. But we do have some things we want to get to on today's show. Uh, But first, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. It's the best way, you guys, to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. YouTube listeners, don't forget to like and leave a comment every time you listen to the pod. We want to know what you think. But that engagement tells YouTube that it's a it's a quality piece of content. They go out and they put it in front of other like-minded Broncos fans. And then of course, those of you listening on iTunes, don't forget to leave your creative review and give us that.
0: Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was
1: only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true.
0: Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.
1: Five-star rating. All right, Zach, the first thing I want to talk about here today is an interesting quote from former Denver Broncos linebacker Brandon Marshall who had appeared on NFL Network, and he is, needless to say, relishing looking forward to the opportunity to throw down against the Broncos twice as an Oakland Raider in 2019. And of course he's going to get a really early opportunity to do that with the Broncos and Raiders uh, facing off in, in week one. Here's the quote though, Zach, I wanted to get your take on this. Marshall said, quote, I daydream about it every day. This is in regards to beating the Broncos every day, man. I can't wait. It's not going to take me long to see my old teammates, see my old organization. You know, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I see us winning. I went back to Denver not too long ago and told some of the guys that we're going to beat them. Close quote. So, of course, you know, you want to get the friendly banter. You understand it. Coming from a guy like Brandon Marshall, just, you know, probably just using the media to talk a little smack with what are still probably some of his best friends in the world in Denver. But what do you think the odds really are? I mean... The, the Oakland Raiders, I mean, the Broncos split with them last year, so it's not too outside the realm of the possible, but both teams won at home. What do you see happening
2: week one, Zach? You, you know, I'm not, I don't want to oversell the Raiders, but I, I think a lot of people are kind of underappreciating them. I, I kind of think they're going to be a pesky team this year. Maybe not a playoff team, definitely not a, a championship caliber team, but not a bottom dweller either. They're going to be a problem. I mean, uh, week one on the road in, in a weird Monday night time slot against a tough team, uh, a division opponent uh, with a, a coach and a, a players and all these people motivated to beat the Broncos. It's not a great setup for them. And I think in our schedule pred- prediction show, Chad, I had the Broncos actually dropping this game. And I think it could happen. I don't know how big of an impact Marshall will have directly, but I know that any motivation for that defense, any leadership, any cohesion, that was the biggest problem in Oakland last year. No veteran talent. They were all over the place. He still can play on two downs, and if he rallies that defense, they could pose a problem. I just happen to think Derek Carr, Antonio Brown, that offense, uh, if, if there's any sort of hiccup with Vic Fangio's defense, it could be exploited in that season opener.
1: A lot was made of Chucky... John Gruden, especially after the Khalil Mack trade, and then, of course, followed by Amari Cooper getting dealt. You know, he was clowned quite a bit in the media, in the, fan, in the fan bases of the NFL, and understandably so. But I think those of us who study the game on a little bit deeper level recognize that if he was going to turn the ship around in Oakland, it was going to take some time in order for him to establish his vision, you know, assemble the right personnel, Forge the right relationship with the GM didn't work out with Reggie McKenzie, so in comes Mike Mayock. And right now, they're kind of Oakland is kind of undergoing a similarly to the Broncos, kind of a spiritual shift, right? It's a change of culture, it's a change of expectation. I still think as a team, the Oakland Raiders are at least one more year away from really being a force to be reckoned with. If all of the moves Mayock and and Gruden have made over the last you know this offseason end up panning out. But I still agree with you that they're going to be a lot tougher matchup in 2019 than a lot of fans are really giving them credit. But I don't think they're going to be able to come close to contending with the defense Vic Fangio is going to field. And so this comes right back to Joe Flacco, to me. You know, this is a defense that's going to impose its will on opposing offenses and if they can continue to, you know, keep maintain a lead or keep it close in the fourth quarter right. like a good defense is supposed to do for a team, well that's when your your quarterback, your quote unquote franchise quarterback, is supposed to make his bones. He's supposed to be the difference, the guy who can close the distance, close the deal late in game. So that's where the onus is gonna fall on Joe Flacco. And traditionally, throughout his career, that's when he's always played the best, typically has been in the clutch. Sometimes you Scratch your head at decisions and throws and the way he, he operates quarters one, two, and three. But he's one of those guys that just finds a way to turn it on in the fourth quarter. And I think that bodes well for the Broncos in 2019.
2: Yeah, I, I think this game, I see it as of now as either a, a clunker or an explosive offensive aerial attack. And if it's a clunker, just a sloppy 16-13, 13-10 type game, if it comes down to your defense, obviously I'm riding with Denver there. I mean, if it's an offensive game, you just don't know with Joe Flacco, all those new moving parts, the new starters, the all the injuries that they're coming back from. If it comes down to a shootout and to match touchdown by touchdown, that's where that's been the biggest problem with the Broncos the last couple of years, and until Flacco proves he's that guy that can match up with other quarterbacks, that's still going to be their biggest nightmare scenario. If it's a low-scoring game, that plays into the Broncos' hands, and if they can contain Derek Carr, and they should be able to sack him, they should be able to at least double Antonio Brown, have their way there. They can do that. I like their chances, but you never know on the road in Week One, this season opener. If it's a sloppy game, if it's you know weather inclement game, you just never know. So we'll have to see how the rest of the you know the summer plays out.
1: We'll have to see if the former Broncos star linebacker has to eat some crow, but this time at home in front of the, the crowd in the black hole. Now, Zach, let's turn the page here and talk about the roster move the Denver Broncos made on Monday, which I thought was an interesting pickup that could bode well, pay some dividends for this team. The Broncos signed fifth-year offensive lineman Chaz Green. Green's five. he's 318 pounds, he's appeared in 22 games in the NFL, he started four games at left guard, three starts at left tackle during his first four NFL seasons, all of which were with the Dallas Cowboys, and one season, excuse me, with Oakland 2018, in addition to spending part of last season on New Orleans' active roster. He spent the final four weeks of the 2018 season with Oakland, he started at left guard, at Cincinnati, so he's got some starting experience. He's a guy who basically was tasked with replacing Ronald Leary when he left in Dallas. He was the succession plan. Didn't work out all that well for the Dallas Cowboys. They jettisoned. They allowed Green to to hit the bricks. But he's a former third round pick, Zach. And you know, if it, if the best case scenario is he takes a, a trajectory similar to what Billy Turner was able to do for the Broncos when they acquired him off the scrap heap from Miami, also a former third round pick. I I wouldn't uh, say no to that.
2: Yeah, I I just uh based on what he's put on tape, I wouldn't hold my breath. He's a guy I think that's going to give the Broncos PTSD if they just watch the film of him. He has all the measurables you want. He has the draft pedigree. Uh everyone looks at his title as a former Cowboys lineman, but I believe he allowed six sacks to Adrian Claiborne or something like that. It was just a ridiculous amount. I mean, he's dealt with injury. He's been unreliable and ineffective. His best-case scenario, best-case, best-case, is making the 53 as the uh, a backup swing guard or tackle, uh, but he's a guy that just uh, uh, is not, I don't think, going to make hay in Denver. I was talking to the Cowboys writer for 24-7 Sports, Patrick Walker. He actually had two words for me when it comes to Chaz Green. He said, good luck. And that's not. I don't think that really bodes well for his chances, especially with uh, Don Barclay impressing in OTAs, impressing Vic Fangio. I think him, Elijah Wilkinson, uh, Schlotman, they'll have those those dibs there. And I just think it's going to be an uphill battle for someone like Green. By the way, Barclay's
1: been getting a lot of looks with the first team. Right? With right? with Ronald, Larry licking his wounds still and working back from that Achilles. So the Broncos obviously view Barclay as an asset. He's going to get a real opportunity to make this team. But you got Chaz Green coming in, and he does offer some versatility. He's got some length. So if you that's kind of the biggest thing the Broncos, the the box that they've yet to check this offseason is they don't have a slam dunk bona fide swing tackle. And maybe that's what they envision here with Chaz Green. I don't know. But he does have three starts at left tackle under his belt in the NFL. And even though a lot of his tape leaves you wanting, you know, he did play for on a on a very good. Dallas Cowboys offensive line and as you said that helps him you know in terms of perception what fans think of him but he's going to get the opportunity at least Zach to work with Mike Munchak and we've seen Munchak in in throughout his career as as a coach on the offensive line work some miracles and take guys from you know the scrap heap and turn them into sometimes pro bowlers but you know at worst if you can get a guy like Green to be an average backup that's an asset right now for the Broncos
2: yeah, that was my, my very next point. If if Obviously, if they brought him in at this stage, Mike Munchak had to sign off on that. And if he signs off on it, then I'm willing to at least roll with his opinion and see if he can make chicken salad out of Chaz Green. You never know. I mean, they need backup types. They're set on their starting line, but they do have injury concerns and uh, you know unreli- unreliability there. If they can make something out of him, it's a very low risk and high reward move for them. We
1: are going to touch on a few things that mike munchak has talked about lately in the press on the other side first though we are going to take a quick break we'll be right back huddle up podcast listeners check this out if you've been thinking about becoming a mile high huddle vip subscriber now's the time to do it we have a phenomenal offer to get your foot in the door as a new vip right now you can get your first month of vip for one dollar that's insane value, and it immediately gives you access to all of the premium content we produce. If you want to subscribe for the year, new annual subscribers will get 30% off the cost of a membership. Never before have we been able to offer new subscribers this kind of introductory incentive to pull the trigger. This is how you get access to our VIP mailbacks every Friday. Zach and I answer each and every question from our VIPs, even if it means an episode goes a little bit long. Jumping on this offer also gives you 100% access to every piece of content we produce on the front page, including our Broncos film room breakdowns and every other form of deep dive Broncos content our site is known for. VIPs also get entry into our members-only MHH Insiders Forum, where you hear the insider buzz first from our talented and plugged-in staff and you get to engage with other passionate and knowledgeable fans just like you. Becoming a VIP subscriber, you guys, it's the best way to support the work and the time Zach and I put into producing a daily podcast for your listening pleasure and edification. So go to milehighhuddle.com, click on the green banner, choose monthly or annual, and you are locked in. The regular season will be here before you know it, so jump on one of these offers, Broncos country. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so we want to keep the theme for, for a minute here on the offensive line because Mike Munchak had some quotes in the press a little while back, and our friends over at Broncos read it, hat tip, put them all in one place. And it's interesting re- to read. He talked about not only Garrett Bowles. In fact, Zach, if I'm not mistaken, you had a, an article that dealt with this, but he yep. talked about coming in second for the head coaching job and then what it's like to th- thus be – also hired onto that staff as an assistant. I want to go through some of these real quick and just share our takeaways. First of all, just as a refresher to fans, Munchak, his message to Garrett Bowles, he said, quote, just continue to grow. He got better, referring to last year, he has only two years in the league. He's played with three different line coaches and in three different systems. That's not easy to do. He is a talented guy. He's athletic. He's not your big 315, 320-pound tackle. His quickness allows him to do a lot of things other guys can't do, so it's going to be fun. I'm enjoying working with him. Close quote. Was Mike Munchak, Zach, hired to come to Denver to salvage or make something out of Garrett Bulls?
2: That that had to have been a giant part of it. I mean, this is a guy who was a first round draft pick, a guy who's a potential franchise left tackle, which are a top five hardest position to find in the NFL and groom, and to have like a Joe Thomas type. I mean, that's that's what you always want for your franchise, long term franchise quarterback to have that protector. And thus far, he's just he hasn't been up to the task. He's shown glimpses, he's shown flashes, Garrett Bowles, but inconsistent with penalties, his technique, uh, this is sacks allowed, pass protection. Munchak is the best the business has to offer. If he can't do it for Garrett Bowles, if he can't even get a consistent guy or an average guy or maybe even a very good left tackle, then I don't think it's it's going to be a positive uh, marriage, with a future for the Garrett Bowles and the Broncos. They have to get it done this year. It's or get off the pot time, which is what I wrote in the article, Chad. Yep. the third year now. I mean, if he can't do it now, you'll finally have some stability. You have a better quarterback under center, better coaching staff. There's no more excuses just all comes down to discipline for
1: Bulls, and I'm hoping Munchak can instill that in him. Here's what Munchak had to say about landing in Denver after interviewing for the head coach position. Quote, yeah, that was different. You're going from one thing to a totally different thing, head coach candidate to a position coach again, which I was doing. Being here for the visit helped me understand. You see the facility. see what they're trying to do. see the culture and how positive it was and what a great situation it would be. Close quote. So we all know that it was the the marriage was helped by the fact that Munchak's daughter and grandchildren are in Denver, and and Mrs. Munchak wanted to be close to her grandbabies. That played a, a role, but I think he's telling the truth there, Zach. That when he came on the visit for the head coaching opportunity, he also kind of caught the fever of what the Broncos are trying to do. Got a chance to walk around the facility, meet the staff, and all that made a difference. I think in terms of him going. this is a place I can I can envision myself being a part of this turnaround and then Vic Fangio getting the hire it actually worked out even better to his to to his situation because Vic Fangio is all about Zach the passionate teachers right the guys who take pride and passion in teaching and that is what Mike Munchak even though he's a hall of fame guard that is what he's known most for as a coach
2: and at the time of his interview, he was you know, considered widely the front runner for the job. And then Vic Fangio came in and kind of stole it from under him. And to harbor no resentment about that and to come in right away and work under the guy that you lost the job to, we talked about it on the last pod chat, the best move of the Broncos offseason. It was the coaching staff, but specifically it was getting Mike Munchak as your assistant. I mean, it, he would have been an acceptable head coach. But to get the best in the business under Vic Fangio, combining them together— It's just incredible. So uh, it's very fortuitous for the Broncos, and it adds up to what Elway's done in the last two offseasons, which isn't being talked about, but he's quietly had a a good couple years now. I wasn't
1: pining for Munchak to get the job. I wasn't based Based on those first four interviews, but I did think he was going to get it, and I think that was the plan until Elway met with Fangio, and that turned the tide. But here's what Munchak had to say. This is the first time I've been able to see anything that he's had to say about the acquisition of right tackle Juwan James. Quote, James fits our system exactly to what we're trying to do. He's a young player, he's 26, that still has his best years ahead of him. I'm looking at it this way. We're going to get him for his best years. Six, seven, eight, and nine. This should be the best he plays. Hopefully we can get the best out of him. Close quote. So that's one of the upsides and one of the reasons why fans are like, wow, why did the Denver Broncos dish out the richest right tackle contract in NFL history. Well, Munchak just landed on right there. Not only is he the scheme fit, but he's entering all of his prime years are going to be on that contract terms. That
2: yeah, and when he's on the field, he he's pretty much a very good right tackle. He's a very capable tackle, and you, you pay for that. You like I said, when they signed him, they overpaid, but they paid for his upside. They paid for his future. They think the best is yet to come, and 26 is very young. I mean, for left tackle or right tackles, any tackle in the NFL, he can play another 10, 12 years, and uh, I thought it was interesting that Munchak put a a, a capper, uh, like a time limit, on when he thinks James' potential could be. It's just that influence, again, that shows uh, that it extends all the way to the Broncos' front office, and when he pounds the table for a guy in Dove Valley, uh, Elway definitely listens.
1: All right, one other thing I want to land on here from the Munchak quotes. Again, hat tip to Broncos Reddit for putting this all in one place. Um, What Munchak had to say about Dalton Reisner, now we've heard Dalton Reisner say a lot about Mike Munchak in the press, but here's what Munchak said specifically about Reisner, quote, his versatility stood out. Very few people can play tackle and center. So that stood out just thinking when he got here, he could do whatever we needed him to do because at that time, you don't know if you're drafting more linemen So to pick a guy like him who can probably play tackle if you wanted him to and can definitely play at guard and play center, then his demeanor, he loves the game. He has a passion for it, and he respects the game. Eventually, we'll work him at other positions, close quote. So right now the Broncos have him, of course, working left guard, but he is a guy who, in a pinch, maybe that's their their swing tackle solution, Zach. If something happens to one of the tackles, you're going to see Dalton Reisner swing over and do that, and they'll put someone else at left guard maybe.
2: Yeah, he's so valuable in that sense because he can play literally every position on the line, and, and you can't get enough of those guys. But, you know, we all watched the tape. We all knew what, he's, what he was capable of in college. But what blew Munchak away, what blew me away, you away, everyone away, Chad, about Reisner was his personality. His, his passion for the game, uh, his, his willingness to learn, his respectfulness toward the NFL and all its coaches. And Derek Wolf touched on it. He said he goes up against them every day and he has to tell them, take it easy, take it easy, slow down. That's going hard in OTAs, you know, voluntary non contact practices. That love for the game, that passion, that drive is not teachable. We learned that with Broncos players in the past. And to get that in the second round and a guy that's so versatile and, and just a homegrown Colorado guy, uh, it really could not be more perfect.
1: All right, before we get out of here, one last story that popped up on Monday that I want to address here. And you had the article for our website, but you were reacting to a report that came from Gary Davenport of Bleacher Report. Now, Bleacher Report, of course, they have their team stream. They also produce original content. They have columnists. Gary Davenport is one of those columnists. And also, shout out to Bleacher Report for running our Monday podcast, our episode of the Huddle Up podcast was in the Denver Broncos team stream for Bleacher Report. So thank you for that. Anyone listening there, appreciate you. But Gary Davenport, here's here's what he said with regard to Drew Locke. He was going through doing statistical projections for each NFL starting quarterback, but there was a caveat as it related to Joe Flacco because Davenport sees Drew Locke stepping in, Zach, and seeing some some time in, in his rookie campaign. Now you had the the story, so lay it out for us.
2: Uh, He doesn't really specify how many games he foresees Locke starting in for Flacco, just that he'll make some late-season starts. And it could be because of injury or ineffectiveness or the Broncos are out of contention or they already wrapped up something. But I just don't see it personally based on everything they've put out, all the moves they've made. They are firmly committed to Joe Flacco for 2019. The only way Locke's feet hit the grass in the fall, in the regular season, is if there's injury or severe ineffectiveness. I'm talking paxton lynch type of 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 just a, a bottoming out for joe flacco just multi-interception games i don't see it based on the way they're going to hide him, they're going to coach him, they're going to scheme him and that defense I, he's they're never going to get into that streak i think a three four game losing streak where they would consider pulling the quarterback they are all in for flacco and um I, I think you know Locke is the popular guy there he's he's the headline grabbing guy and maybe he wanted to write something about him but i personally don't see him making any starts this year uh without an injury taking place
1: exactly barring injury the Broncos are going to ride Flacco into the ground, and they really have to. They have to capitalize on the way the cap is structured this this year. They have to try and make the most out of Kareem Jackson, Chris Harris, and Bryce Callahan sharing a backfield, defensive backfield. And so unless there's some ca- catastrophic injury, Drew Locke's just simply not going to see the field. But here's what Davenport said. I'll just read the quote real quick. He said, quote, If veteran free agent acquisition Joe Flacco can keep the Broncos in contention for at least a wild card spot into the month of December, the 34-year-old could hang on to the starting job all season. The Broncos aren't without skill position and defensive talent, and the offensive line was upgraded in the offseason with the additions of the veteran Jawan James and the rookie Dalton Reisner. But there's also a reason Flacco is no longer in Baltimore, and while he may well be an upgrade over Case Keenum under center, That upgrade isn't a drastic one. Stuck in a division with two Super Bowl contenders, the Chiefs and the Chargers, the Broncos are going to fall off the pace at some point. And then John Elway and the Broncos will want to see what they have in Drew Locke and whether the strong-armed youngster from Missouri has what it takes to potentially be an NFL starter. Mm. Close quote. So I really, I mean, a lot of what he said I agree with. What I don't agree with, though, is that at some point, I, I think you're really stretching it to to go out on a limb at this point in any kind of bold prediction and say that the Broncos are going to fall off the pace at some point. I just don't think it, at this stage there's really any empirical evidence to, to bolster that, and that's beside the point. I mean, the whole headline of the article is that Drew Locke's going to see some playing time. If, let's just play into this for a second, that things don't go as planned, I still think, Zach, that the Broncos are going to hold out with Flacco throughout the season and wait, because if it didn't work out, that means the vision was off and they're going to have to go to Drew Locke in 2020. Why throw him to the wolves when you can take an entire 2020 off season to nurse him to, you know, where he needs to be in time to start fresh week one, 2020.
2: So again, barring an injury, I just don't see Drew Locke starting any games this year. Let me just rip into this for one second. There's no could hanging on to the starting job if they if he keeps them in contention. If they're eight and six or whatever, if they're seven eight wins late in December, they're not going to pull Joe Flacco. Like I said, the only way he's going to see the field is severe ineffectiveness, four five game losing streak. Second of all, the, the reasons he gave were all non sequiturs. I mean, there's it's there's no bearing on whether Flacco's was jettisoned from Baltimore and right. Case Keenum and, and and the the division contenders. I mean, that's all not those. Those are all irrelevant to the topic at hand. He is an upgrade on Case Keenum. No one, including me, is disputing that. But he moved out of Baltimore because they wanted a younger quarterback. Same thing the Broncos will do in a couple years. Lastly, Elway said himself he wants Locke to learn and develop his technique and hone his skills. They they don't want him to touch the field. He even mentioned a succession plan: the Brett Favre, of Aaron Rodgers. That didn't happen in the same season. So he's literally not. I wouldn't say it's fake news or a fake opinion, but it's it's just not lining up to what uh, the local media knows about the Broncos. The national media kind of always looks at them through a different scope. They don't know them like we know them. and and they don't they see Elway as this ah uh, this very general evaluator. They haven't seen how he's grown. so it's 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 very infactual, I think, in my opinion.
1: yeah, you know, and we it's not very often that we on the podcast break down any outlets content that is not our own. But this time of year, you know, things slow down. We're going to we're gonna talk about things that pop up on our radar. And you as listeners, if you have stories you want us to react to or headlines or anything, shoot it our way. We'll we'll uh, always take it under consideration. If there's something you see out there on the interwebs that you want Zach and I to dive into, we'll always take it under consideration. But, you guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. You're Denver Broncos. By the time you're listening to this, odds are, your Denver Broncos are back on the field for mandatory minicamp. We'll be back on the other side of hump day to react to the first couple of days of minicamp. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Building the Broncos will have a fresh episode waiting for you on Wednesday. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, though, at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. YouTube listeners, another reminder, make sure you like and comment. It's the best way that you can support the show. Uh, with that community there on YouTube. And don't forget to leave your creator review and five-star rating on iTunes. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you on Thursday.
0: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.